Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Uncommon Sense. So today is a very special day because we have a very special guest. I love having guests on the show. I think y'all are really going to enjoy the guest that we have today. He is a guy that is really working hard to spread empathy, spread compassion, and really get us all thinking um, about ways that we can be thinking about other people and how we can connect with other people, specifically our daughters. Um, so this is going to be a really cool episode if you have daughters, even if you don't have daughters, if you're thinking thinking about starting a family one day. I think this is an important episode, even if you're not, even if you're sure that you're never going to start a family, even though I highly recommend starting a family, I think this is a good episode for people to just learn how to connect with each other. And I think, you know, the further that we get into this whole polarized nation of just being like super, super political and like, oh my gosh, they're on the right. Oh my gosh, they're on the left. I think this is a good episode to remember that, you know, that we are all people and that we are all American and that we do have things that, you know, Maybe we don't have everything in common, but we can still connect with each other and we can still have compassion and we can still have empathy. And we're going to need that um, because I was talking on the last episode, if we're going to talk to people about uh, policies and about things, you know, in a logical fashion, then we're going to have to do it empathetically. We do not win the culture war by being super crazy. We're going to have to sit down and talk to people, you guys. So we are going to have a wonderful conversation with Angus Williams who is the founder and the executive director of the Ear Heart Club. We are so happy to have you on, Angus. Can you just quickly introduce yourself to the audience? Hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Angus Williams. I'm the, as Ginny mentioned, the founder and executive director of the Ear Heart Club, which is a, uh, we'll talk about that, I guess, the next little while. But um, it's an organization I founded, which is um, serves the community and um, is basically a love letter to my daughter. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. I love how you put the love letter to your daughter. So, uh, and I love, you know, reaching out to the community and all that good stuff. I mean, I've read about the organization. I obviously know you and know about it, but can you let my audience who may not know about the Earheart Club a little bit more about it? Yeah. Um, so it started about seven years ago. My daughter, there's a, a personal connection to it. My daughter's name is um, Sophia Earhart Williams. So we named her for the beauty of Sophia and the strength of Amelia Earhart and the idea was to for her to grow up in a world where having a voice was not just an idea but a responsibility and um, that so and it was very important to me that she find her voice before she loses it to the expectations of others so it started out as a as more of an idea that, that I wasn't sure where we'd go with it but we came up with a a format that's sort of morphed into a, a 10 week after school program that sort of has three main elements to it. It's very, it's low tech, high engagement and started out years ago as a, a very much a, a girl story, but has evolved into very much a, a mother daughter story and even a, a parenting story. So um, I'd love to talk about that more as, as we go through today. Um, it's, you know, we've got measurable outcomes now over the course of the, the program and um, it's very exciting what, what we what we are doing and, and what we hope to continue doing on a, on a broader scale. That's very cool. And it's very, very needed. I love how you talk about, you know, giving these young girls the opportunity to, you know, find their voices and to feel confident in those voices and to not kneel to the expectations of other people. I think that that's so important for young girls to be learning. Um, and I also love how you talk about, you know, the organization ended up morphing into being a thing that was, you know, just about the girls to being something that's more about the relationship between the girls and their mothers um, and their parents. I think that that's very, very interesting interesting. And I'm excited to talk about that more just to go over the three pillars from the Earheart Club's website, which by the way, for everybody listening, their website is theearheartclub.org. And I definitely recommend that y'all check that out. Um, the three pillars that you guys have are curiosity, understanding and values. I think that this is a, these are all very important things for young girls to be learning. I just want to read a little bit um, more from what y'all have under each of these main pillars. So under 
curiosity y'all have. Curiosity allows us to grow and evolve as our understanding expands. Um, under understanding, that's two under unders, <laughs> under understanding y'all have. Too often, knowledge gets in the way of understanding. Healthy human connections are built on mutual understanding. That is very, very true. I love that one. I think that knowledge is kind of useless if you can't understand people because then you don't understand how to transfer that knowledge. So I think that that's a very cool one. Um, and then under values, y'all have that immediate gratification, power, and control sound strong, but always lead to isolation, disconnect, and deep dissatisfaction. And that's also very, very true. I mean, people think that certain things sound empowering that are actually not empowering. And I think that's a very important message to get out to young girls, especially while they're young, before they've had a chance to be indoctrinated by the system, especially the educational system. Um, and start to believe that certain things are empowering that are not empowering. I think that this is all extremely important to be teaching our young girls. So can you, I guess, just describe the after school program and what that really looks like for you guys? So our, our core program is a, uh, is a 10 week after school program. So most of it functions within the school. We've done some cohorts with, um, with older girls outside of the school. We've done some abridged versions of summer camps like that, that occur over five weeks or so but our core program is targeting second and third grade girls which are eight or nine years old which is a a, a critical age it's a it's a great age for the mums to sort of get involved with this and, and for the girls too because it's an age where girls are getting you know older and their world's getting bigger and, and more exciting but it's also getting a little bit scarier for them but from the parents point of view it's almost like it's it's a bit the time to take their foot off the gas and give their daughters a bit of free reign and now their daughters do want the free reign but they also want to have mum or their female guardian in the context of the Earhart club it very much focuses on, on mothers and daughters to have mum close but not sort of hovering over her shoulder so um so that our, our program starts with these young girls and it's over the course of 10 weeks they meet twice a week for essentially an hour there's 20 girls per group and there's three or four female volunteers per group each session is sort of hallmarked by um they learn about a woman of influence and and there's we've got a range of women of all genres and areas of interest you know the arts music literature um adventure like amelia Earhart, um jane goodall malala um all kinds of women and and the the moral so what they do is they learn it pitched at their age group they learn a little bit about the story of this woman and then the, the idea is that after class, after the session, they go home and mum's commitment is to spend 10 or 15 minutes one-on-one -on -one with her daughter over the course of these 10 weeks, just to ask, so what did you learn in club today? And the idea is not for mum to say, that's not what happened to Amelia Earhart, I heard this, but just over the course of 10 weeks to, to hear her how her daughter interprets this information. And the significance of 10 weeks is that the there's neuroscience behind it. There's synapse development occurs in, that, that literally changes the daughter's brain, the mum's brain, and sort of really fosters an incredible trust and connection. So by, by mum actively listening and engaging with her daughter, over the course of 10 weeks, a girl gets infinitely more confident at li listening to it, some information, processing it, absorbing it, and then articulating it to someone who's actually interested in what she has to say. So she actually authentically learns to trust herself and her ability to, to glean this information. And so, um, and then the, the, one of the other pieces of the pro, so they, they do that. The, the, each woman is sort of, one of the hallmarks is that that no one got there on their own. So whether it was Amelia Earhart or Jane Goodall or Malala, there was always at least somebody who supported them and sort of helped them get get where they where they ended up going and exerting the influence they did. And the moral of the story is, and the moral of the story is that none of these women of influence set out to change the world. Essentially, they were introduced at a young age, typically, to something that really sort of made their heart sing, something that it made the, the, the nights too long and the days too short, so that they, became, they came to um, just, they, 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 so they pursued their passion endlessly, and that's how the world got changed. And I think now we live in a world that focuses so much on changing the world that we forget about the process and it's all about the, the end game. And so we end up disappointed, but we don't end up changing the world. Whereas if we end up finding our authentic passion, 
we're a lot more likely to have a fulfilled journey. I completely agree with you. I mean, there are so many people in the world that are just like, I'm going to change the world. And they don't sit down to think, what do I have to contribute? Like, what is my passion? Like, what do I care about? What do I know about? Like, what can I do? Um, I think that girls need to learn that when they're young so that they can start chasing that passion early. Like, there are so many passions in life to, to chase. And I told a friend that recently. But you just, it's cool. It's cool to teach them to do that and to have the confidence to do that. And, um, I think that it's just very, very interesting. You talk about this neurological sort of transition where girls are, are really learning to trust themselves. And I think that that's extremely important as well, because I was just talking about, you know, before it's important to do this before they get indoctrinated by the system, because I think, you know, this is just me getting political again, but I think a lot of modern feminists, especially at like my college, which was trying, my college feminist group was trying to recruit me when I was in college. Um, they didn't like me after I was pro-life, but anyway, um, I think there's a lot of pressure. Like there's a lot of peer pressure, uh, within female circles where you have to be a, a particular way or fit a particular mold or be a particular thing, or you're just not, you're just not accepted. Um, and and I think that starts very early in the female world. Like you are very early on in life are just like, well, I don't have the fuzzy erasers like everybody else. And so I'm just not going to be cool. And that can't happen. Um, so to just learn how to trust yourself and follow your personal personal passions, that is a good way to change the world. That's the only way to change the world. Um, and I think it's a good thing to teach to teach young girls because the world needs so much more authenticity. And I think that that would ultimately lead to better understanding. It's hard to understand people who are all exactly the same or who are just not being their true self. So I really appreciate how, you know, that your heart club is actively working with girls and, and encouraging them to be their authentic selves. I think that that is what is actually empowering and is what is actually going to be super beneficial for the future women of our, of our country. I think that that is, um, you know, you were bringing up some of those, some of those names of the influential women, Amelia Earhart, uh, Jane Goodall, like all these people. I mean, they went into these things. They became very influential people because they pay, uh, because they chased those passions and chasing passions is contagious. I mean, people see people chasing their passions and they're like, dang, I better have a passion I want to chase. I better have things I want to do. Um, and they, and they really think about things that they, you know, love. I, you can tell when someone loves what they do. Um, and I think that that is uh, very true. So I just want to talk a little bit more about this understanding versus knowledge, because I think that's a fascinating part of the website and what y'all do. So can we talk about that just a little bit more? Yeah, I guess one of our, or perhaps it's my personal dogmas is the, is the difference between understanding and, and knowledge. And, um, and I think one of the differentiations I like to make is think of is there's so many things in the world we live in these days, whether you call it light and dark or, or good and evil or ego and spirit, you know, like I think if we, what we're trying to really do is nurture the, the spirit as opposed to sort of feed the ego. And I think Simon Sinek, who is one of, one of the a brilliant mind that I admire and appreciate speaks to this notion of these, I'm not exactly paraphrasing him, but we but with some of this, self-esteem movement that started sort of back in the 60s and 70s we've inadvertently created a culture of massive egos but very low self-esteem and so knowledge is very much about our ego and, and we live in a world where we've sort of i think created this you know knowledge and facts in this world of experts where the experts know and they, and they can't be questioned because they know and we live in a world where we're, we're Everybody claims to know, but very few of us understand. And so, um, so I think that one of the ideas th through our program as a whole is that it really promotes this idea of understanding girls coming to understand their values and learn their value alongside mum. So, that, so we we formulate like an incredibly deep trust and. Um, just you know it's it's inspiring when you see the program over the course of 10 weeks the the relationships between mothers and daughters and girls with themselves and even mothers with themselves the things change drastically and in a minute i can give you some numbers that 
really speak to like the difference between knowing and understanding in the context of a mother-daughter relationship? All of that is so interesting to me. I just want to, um, I guess, uh, well, there's multiple things that you just said that I want to comment on. But the first part where you were talking about, um, you know, when the ego is taking over, the self-esteem is down. I see that so much. Like in politics, I've seen it <laughs> so much in my life where people who have this insatiable ego also have large amounts of self-esteem issues, like large amounts of self self-esteem issue because of course they do. They are constantly needing this uh, external approval to boost their ego so that their their self-esteem issues aren't showing. It's it's actually completely logical to me. Um, and and the context of, you know, children, it's just it's just dangerous, you know, if you really, really, really want to help your children have a healthy self-esteem, point them away from ego. Like point them toward not seeking that external validation and, and working on having that internal validation that lets them know, you know, you, you are your own voice and you have your own opinions and you can do whatever you want and follow whatever passion you have. And I also love how you're talking about, you know, focusing on the spirituality aspects of all of this, because, you know, who, apart from church, <laughs> what, other places and after school programs are really doing this. You can send your kids to, you know, Christian camps or whatever, but this is a different thing. This is pulling in mothers and daughters into a situation where they are, uh, they're, they're there to understand each other. And I think that that last point you made about, you know, them understanding each other being the primary goal versus them knowing each other. You can know, I know a lot of people that I don't understand. And I think, especially when it comes to your daughter and your mother, you just, you need to understand each other. Um, so I really, really appreciate everything that y'all are doing because it also you're, you're teaching the daughters to be individuals there. And I, and I love that so much. I feel like a lot of mothers have these weird high, very predestined expectations of their daughters that a lot of times their daughters are not going to meet because their daughters are individual people. And I think putting these, uh, these mothers and these daughters in these situations where they are talking to understand each other and learning to understand each other is it's crucial to developing a, a healthy relationship. So I really appreciate all of, all of that. And I guess I just want to book in this section, um, of my comments with going back to the ego versus the self-esteem topic I was touching on. I think that social media is so, it's really toxic. I mean, it's toxic for everyone, but particularly to girls and specifically to young girls. I think that a lot of young girls are seeing all of these girls their age and older doing all of these things that are not good. Like they're not, it's not great to pimp yourself out on TikTok. It's not awesome to like expose your body to the entire world on Instagram. Like it's not, it's not savvy to like send nudes on Snapchat. Like it's not something you want to do with yourself. It's not empowering. Um, and so I think that there is this whole, you know, this whole seeking of external validation through all of that, um, you know, when it comes to social media and what y'all are doing to encourage girls to seek validation from within is probably helping them tremendously to avoid what I probably rudely I just honestly call the tramp trap. It's, it's the tramp trap is what I call it when people are kind of just pimping themselves out on social media. I think it's extremely toxic. Of course, all of the modern day feminists, not to get super political all the time, but like all the modern feminists are in full support of, and it just kind of, you know, harkens back to the whole concept of, uh, you know, meeting these expectations that society has on girls when a lot of the expectations that society has are counter counterproductive to the feminist movement, uh, what it should be in my views. Ultimately, I just, you know, I guess my point is that just social media can be extremely toxic to women, but it's because women have made social media toxic to themselves. I mean, so it wasn't Instagram that took the picture of your butt by the pool girl. It was you, you set that self timer. So, um, I think that it's the taking accountability and, and just, you know, man, I'm worried for a lot of the girls that are, are fixing to be moms because what I'm seeing on social media is 
scary. It's just scary to think of a lot of them as mothers. Um, yeah. So to that point, like with the social media thing you touched on there was, I think for years now, we've been, I think, living in a bit of a curated world with, with social media and whatnot, where in the, in psychological terms, and my background is as a physical therapist, but I've learned a lot about people just along the way in dealing with chronic pain and whatnot, is our, there's a term of our locus of control sort of being outside of us. And we had this movement of praise, 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 and everything sort of came from outside outside of us. So it's sort of beneath the surface, we've actually been curated, I believe, to to not trust ourselves, whether it be as parents or as individuals, as kids, or, or even in the workplace. And we're always looking outside of us, both for people to identify the problems, but also to provide the solutions. And we all have this big ego and we align ourselves with a group that lines up best with us, but we're, we don't actually trust ourselves, which when you think about it, we, and most of us don't think of it that way, but but I recognize that in myself in in a lot of ways, even though I'm no one would accuse me of being shy or having low self-esteem, the um, I think losing so we just we lose sight of of so much. but um, so we get so the girls um, base so one of the statistics that that sort of will circle back to your point. So we ask these girls at the beginning of the program, so the eight and nine year old girls, who understands you the most? And so of these over 1,200 girls now, 73% of the girls will say, no one understands me, which to me is heartbreaking at that young age. And then about 9% of them will say, mom, some say their brother, some say their dad, some say like the family dog. Now on the flip side of that, we ask their moms, this is at the beginning of the 10 weeks, do you think you understand your daughter and do you think she'd agree? And 82% of the mums say, oh, yeah, I know my daughter, we're BFFs, you know. And Sorry, not to interrupt, that is shocking. Like, that's shocking that, oh, my gosh, what? So 73% of over 1,200 girls say that nobody understands them at the beginning of the Earhart Club's 10-week program. And then the mothers, though, at the beginning of the 10-week program say that uh, 82% of them say that they definitely know their daughters and that they're BFFs. That's just such an interesting uh, difference. Yeah, so there's this massive disconnect. So the mums think they know their daughter, which, yeah, really, and everybody has the best of intentions, so it's not ripping on mums at all, but is that, that their ego says, well, I know my daughter. And we live in a world where we're very much trying to manage our children through childhood to get on this success track instead of nurture them along the way. And nurturing sounds like a, a weak word and managing sounds like such a strong word, just like some of the words you mentioned before, like humility, compassion, and empathy sound like relatively weak and, and passive words, but they're actually the strength of the human condition. And immediate gratification, power, and control sound like very strong words, but they're actually the pathway to, to addiction and, and all manner of problems that sort of ravage the society these days. So, and then over the course of 10 weeks, we, we talk, we, we ask the same thing. And so this, this is, it's not curated to get to this result. It's just sort of happened sort of by osmosis. But at the end of it, over 80% of the girls say, mum understands me the most. And only, th- and only 35% of the mums say they know their daughter. So the, the way we frame that is that, that over the course of this 10 weeks, the girls have sort of established or developed community alongside their mum and mum sort of re- revisited her humility alongside her daughter. And um, and the reward of that, you know, at our, t- our last event is called a take-to-flight tea party. And at that last event, it's 10 weeks into it, the um, – Every mum in the place is crying because she, she, and they'll say to a fault, where was this when I was a kid? And it just, and they, and there's just a unique, and and you can see it, it's palpable. And we've done some stuff with older girls, like teenage girls in, in girls' homes that have actually, you know, been through more than any girl should ever have been through. And, um, and over the course of 10 weeks, and this is one of the ones I, I went to the very first session and the very last session. And these girls at the beginning, we had our sort of long-standing volunteers run this group. These girls at the beginning were angry and hostile and very skeptical. And they, they were living in a, a girl's home that's very well regarded, but it was for the most part like a like a jail cell, basically. And then so they, they had these women show up 
twice a week for 10 weeks. And over that 10 weeks, the development was, it's one of the few times I get teary about it because the the very last session I went and I took my daughter actually. And um, these young, these teenage girls who have been, one was set on fire by her brother and several have been raped and all kinds of horrible things. And, um, And each of these girls got up in front of the board of directors at about 60 adults and each of them sort of gave a little talk about what they'd experienced over the last 10 weeks. And there wasn't a dry house in the place. And these girls were, were smiling. And we figure if one of those girls has a different, has a slightly different view of the world and where she fits in it, we've done more than, than a lot of the therapy models do and like and more than you know, what every teacher and, and every adult influencer of kids hopes to achieve. That is extremely powerful. I would be crying. I would be crying. I would be an ocean on the floor if I were there. I, I completely believe you that it was palpable. I mean, everything that y'all are doing is so incredible. I mean, that is so incredible. I mean, all, I mean, well, I have so many points about everything you just said, but I guess I'll start with, um, just saying that helping any girl come to the place where she has the internal voice that she trusts and she's comfortable with, and she, you know, doesn't have to build up that ego all the time because she has good self-esteem. It's so important, but especially, I think, especially for the girls who have been through so much, you know, like you were talking about the girls that have been raped, the girls that really need to build that confidence back up in themselves and to rediscover their voice, um, you know, and to, and to remember who they are. I mean, a big piece of them was taken from them. So I think that, uh, I think that what y'all are doing is incredible. And I also just want to talk about the statistics a little bit more because, you know, you're, you're saying that at the end, at the end of the 10 week program, uh, y'all ask the, the daughters if, you know, who understands you the best and that 80% of the, again, over 1200 girls say that mom knows them the best. And then only 35% of the mothers say that they know their daughter. Um, and then I love how you talk about how the girls, you know, develop, uh, they learn to develop community and that the mom develops humility. I think that just, it's, it's a lot of lessons for everyone. And I think that that is, is so cool and so needed. Yeah. But by their, their core person, whether it's their mom or their, their female guardian, which is critical because I mean, and it's, and there's this, and it, and it sticks and because, you know, like uh, there's habits form. And so we're, we're, we're very proud of the fact that we're low tech, you know, so it's not this massive formula. Essentially what we're doing is sort of just fostering time, you know, like, and, and that's the, the secret ingredient and not just time for the sake of time, but time where you're actually engaged with your kid. And there's, we live in a world of buzzwords, you know, where there's time and connection and engagement and all that stuff. But most people don't know what that means. And if, and and it's something that they do to check off a list rather than be it, you know, and, and one of the, and you can view it as at the end of the day, you get home and you give your kids what's left, or you can actually view it, which has been probably one of the most helpful, rewarding things for me is at the end of the day, you're relating and connecting and sitting with your kid and seeing the world through their eyes rather than insisting they see the world through yours is your little vacation from the world. You know, it's, it's where you get to see like the purity of the human condition before we spoil it quite simply as adults by sort of trying to, we all lament that the world screwed up, but then we insist that our kids see the world the way we see it instead of sitting with them and and seeing it through their eyes, which doesn't mean to give them the power. It it actually just, it's, it's not that modern parenting of don't say no and praise, 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 and there's no bad choice, but actually valuing them enough to sort of ask them questions and honor their answer, which is a very challenging thing to do in any human relationship. But when you do it, the world changes. No, I think you're completely, completely, completely correct because 
you know, there are all these buzzwords and I do think that everybody's checking off a list. And I think that especially, you know, I love that you say that y'all are low tech because a lot of parents are extremely high tech and they are spending more times on their iPhones than they're spending with their children or giving their children iPhones. And then their children are spending more time on their iPhones than they're spending with their parents. I think uh, what y'all are doing is incredible and, and extremely important. And I, I really encourage everybody to check this uh, organization out if you're looking into ways to connect with your daughter, if you're a mother and you just, you know, you're looking for ways to truly, truly know her, um, excuse me, understand her because like Angus is saying, they are very, very different. So I just, I definitely recommend you guys to check into the Earheart Club and, you know, do the program. If you think it would be something you would benefit from clearly, you know, the stats speak for themselves. A lot of mothers go into this at the beginning of the 10 week program, uh, feeling completely like they know their daughter coming out of it at the end of it, feeling like they don't know her as well as they thought they did, which is okay. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it just shows that there needs to be more deliberate effort into understanding into understanding your daughter. Um, and so I think that this would be a great thing to do. I know so many moms are on Pinterest looking for the next perfect thing to do with your daughter, but do, I think just deliberate effort to truly understand your daughter is, is it's crucial. And I think that this is just an excellent organization. And, uh, you know, I, I just really love, I love what y'all are doing. Yeah, well, thank you. That's, that's social media. Like, there's lots of people talk about the, you know, the, the neuroscience of like dopamine hits and all that stuff. And I mean, if, and I'm quite cynical over about sort of how we've arrived at this point in time over the last fifty or sixty years or, or longer. I, I don't think it's an accident that we got here. And um, and I think you're on the same page listening to a lot of your, what you've talked about in recent months. <laughs> is that so that so we've actually sort of created this generation or actually it's two generations now so the parents are sort of part of this where we're like to that point of not trusting ourselves our, our locus of control is outside of us so we're looking outside of us for validation whether it be from what everybody else is doing or what the experts are saying and what's who's likes this on social media so we actually lose our voice and, and in some ways sort of sell out in order to to fit in and belong and you know what one of the i gave a ted talk a few months ago and one of the the points I made in that in thinking formulating my talk was this notion of community and community is again another one of those buzzwords that's sort of overused these days but there's every individual sort of has I've, I would like to call it maybe a birthright to an individual and reciprocal relationship with community whereas as an individual we have a responsibility to provide value to the community but we also, the, the community has a responsibility to value us for who we are, for what we bring to the community, as opposed to what we're not. So using shame and guilt to ridicule us or make fun of us for, for what we're not. And um, and as a part of our program, there's a, a mystery friend program at part of the Earhart Clubs in, in this 10-week program. So I'll quickly recap it. Is that there's, so over the course of 10 weeks, at the beginning of the 10 weeks, each girl gets paired up with another girl in the group who's her sort of mystery friend. And so they get their little personalized stationery and they um, each each session they, they ask a question, like a little girl question to their mystery friend. The first week or two, they're busting to know, okay, who's their partner? And then very quickly that dies down. And over the course of 10 weeks, these girls ask questions and learn about their friend. And the significance of it is, and, and I think this will relate to re resonate with you, is that when, when we're kids, whether you're a boy or a girl, we're all a little bit insecure. We all want to fit in and belong and have the cool person like us and sort of give us validation. So if you, if Susie's the cool girl at school and she's got pink shoes and a pink backpack and she's the one that can make or break you, little Sally comes over and if Susie says, so what's your favorite color? It's very easy for Sally to, to say pink, just in the spirit of being accepted and, and getting let into the cool group. But it's, that's the beginning of Sally sort of losing her voice in, in the, in the spirit of fitting in and belonging. So by not knowing who the, who they're giving their answer to over the course of 10 weeks, girls get to actually neurologically own their voice. You know, that they, they learn that to give their answer. And they also, by not knowing who they're receiving questions and answers from they they get to honor the answer of of their mystery friend the significance of this and it's profound is at the end of 10 weeks we have the the last 
the take to flight tea party, the girl, they meet their mystery friend. The mums typically come to this party. So it's a big party, big celebration. The girls get up and talk and it's really a great, great event, but they, they meet their mystery friend. Now, statistically, sometimes their mystery friend is their best friend, but they learn things about their best friend sit by the simple act of asking questions and honoring the answer. Now, Conversely, sometimes their mystery friend is the girl they would never have talked to, you know, the big girl or the spelly girl or, or the, the, the different girl. And so the reason they're busting to meet their friend before the, the session is because they realize, shoot, she's just like me. You know, she cries when she has to go to bed without dessert or she cried when the dog died or she loves it when she gets to stay up late or whatever it is. So what they learn authentically is we're 99% alike one percent difference so what they're in meeting their friend they realize that one percent that's the secret source that's what gives a classroom or a family or a community color texture depth vibrancy that's what we ought to be celebrating celebrating in everybody rather than nowadays we use that one percent to to ridicule and and diminish people so we live in this world where we try to teach kids to be kind and to be tolerant at all these things. Kids are kind and tolerant you know, natu- internally, and they learn not to be. But this sort of like shows them sort of by osmosis. It connects them with that, that depth of the human condition. And we've seen it in classrooms where the, 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 the mood improves. You know, even if there's 20 girls in the group and there's 100 girls in the class, they're, they're the mood and connectivity and the improved academics and focus, reduced bullying, sort of has a ripple effect through through the school community anyway. I am um I, I'm obsessed with that. I think that that's just I mean that's a wonderful thing that you know kids are learning how to have true true diversity. I mean it you know it's in the schools and I don't want to get too political, but like it's you know the left dominates the schools and the schools have so much bullying and so much intolerance and so much you know you better be cool or else like guy won't be friends with you. Um, I think it's great to to get these girls to really know each other on that level and to just ask questions, respect and honor those answers and truly get to know someone and connect with them on a truly human level and not have any of the other distractions in your face. It's, it's a great way to truly connect with someone. And I, and I, I think it's just a, a wonderful thing because kids need that. They need to feel truly seen. And I think it gives them an opportunity to feel that way. Um, And it's not even a feeling, it's reality. Like it's reality that there's a connection happening there. And I think a lot of kids, I've said this on, I don't know, I don't remember what episode I said this on, but kids need a real connection to each other, to their peers, to their parents. And, um, you know, we're talking about schools to their teachers. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day about school choice and how important that is, uh, you know, especially for uh, kids, minority children. But because if they had school choice and especially, I don't know if y'all keep up with Corey DeAngelis, but I just want to plug him in this episode because y'all definitely need to be following him if you're not. He's a huge proponent for school choice in Washington, D.C., and he's doing an excellent job. But if we gave student dollars to minority children, they could take those student dollars and go anywhere. Like the education dollars, they could take them anywhere, go to any school. So that means that their zip codes would not determine their education and they could go a little further out and go to a really good school and get out of those situations and and not have any generational curses set upon them that they couldn't end. But uh, that's that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. But my point is ensuring that more children had school choice would ensure that they, you know, were hopefully going to better schools where there were better teachers who cared about having a deep connection with them. I mean, the reason that I even care so much about finding facts and, and planting them everywhere on the internet and, and speaking on these things is because I had a few really, really good teachers who genuinely cared about me and genuinely cared about, you know, not just knowing me like, Hey Jenny, they wanted to understand me and they really, that, that inspired me to, for years, for years still inspires me. So I think that, you know, the, the connection and and just caring is so important. And that's another thing that the right is just like, ew, caring now y'all caring is good. Caring is good. Um, so it, it just all goes back to the word empathy that you've been talking about. Empathy, humility, compassion. These aren't bad words. They sound weak, but they're actually stronger than, you know, 
all these other things. So I, I just really appreciate all of the honesty and all of the, the effort that y'all are putting into this very important stuff. And also, I guess I, I really just want to kind of go back to the bullying thing and the schools, you know, um, that every school is going to have some level of bullying. And I think to really, and you're right, the, the kids are really, they are not like we teach them how to be to be certain ways and to be hateful and to be prejudiced and to have biases. Like we teach them that, but through, like you were saying, watching our actions, because we can say whatever we want, you know, be nice to Jimmy, but were you the mother nice to Pam? Like, you know, um, so I don't know. I think that it is extremely important what y'all are doing. And I, I get really emotional, like thinking about it because what you're doing is so much more helpful and it's so intentional and it's so purposeful and it's going to change. And it clearly has changed so many lives already, but I, I'm really excited for the future of um, the girls that y'all are really putting through this because I think they're going to be a, an excellent influence, just like Amelia Earhart and just like Jane Goodall and just like these women that were, you know, very influential by chasing their personal passions, but just being cognizant of the people around you and the emotions around you, which is another thing I just think that the political right gets wrong a lot of the time. We have got to re-acknowledge uh, human emotion and human the human experience. I mean, we've got to acknowledge that people are people and, and the right can, you know, play tough all they want. But at the end of the day, we are all human and we all have a desire to connect. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think we're trying to, with the diversity and all the, the common talks these days is we're trying to manage the outcome instead of just sort of nurturing the process. And if you leave kids to themselves in the, in, and in the, the I think one of the things that we've established at that young age, because naturally they'll say you put a room full of four-year-old kids in a room, they don't see color or anything. They just see another friend. And then how, however they learn it, and I'm sure there's ways that there's bias and all that stuff come into it. And, and they learn to go the way that, you know, they're, they're, they see their family go. But, but, but once we, we sort of peel back all the surface stuff and get to the human condition, and that's what we're trying to do. And I think we're, what I'm most proud of is that we're not trying to manage the outcome. It's more about nurturing the process and just at this critical time in our brain development and social development as a kid, when it's very, it's a critical time for girls and boys where we lose our voice to the expectations of others, where in that moment, if you can capture sort of that spirit of a, of a young kid and that, that endless curiosity, I always say kids are born endlessly curious and endlessly self-assured. And then they learn, from, we teach them to be confident, but they learn from us not to be. Just like we teach kids to speak up, but they learn to be quiet about the things that matter. I could not have said that any better myself. I, that is so true. I mean, we've got to lead by example. And I think that that is crucial. And I think that you're doing a great job with this organization to really teach parents to do that because it takes a level of humility, which you've already said, you know, the mothers learn that throughout this process, this tw uh, 10 week program, um, you know, which is great. It's great to really look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, you know, like what is going on? And, and sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes there's a curtain over, you didn't even know it was over the mirror and you you have to get some help to pull it up. So I think that this is a great thing that y'all are doing. And, um, and it, and it's true. I mean, you, the parents, it's so true that they have to lead by example. You can't just tell kids like, do, do as I say, not as I do. It never works. People pay attention to what you do. They pay attention to, uh, you know, because that tells people what you actually think and what you actually believe. Saying things is easy. Doing things is hard. Um, so it, I think that that's just an excellent point. Tell your kids to be good people, but be good people so that they believe that you believe what you are saying. Um, so, how many how many girls have you guys served at the Earhart Club? So 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 far we've served twelve hundred girls, and but currently we've got over two thousand enrolled, sort of that are in process, so that are, they're in the midst somewhere along the journey of that ten weeks. So we're sort of growing pretty quickly, and we've just got involved with a few organisations here in Louisville, and we're spreading our reach. And the, the, there's a grand vision over the years of being a um, sort of a national force to be reckoned with and um partnering up with some other organizations and um i just got announced onto this the, the a mental health committee for the louisville metro government here so um which is sort of 
addressing some of the issues of of homelessness and, and substance abuse. And there's our 25 year mission is and I was asked at a business retreat recently, so what's the vision for the Earhart Club? And I said, to be honest, I hope in 17 years or 18 years, we've put ourselves out of business. Our, our, our 25-year mission is to reduce teen suicides, anxiety, depression, and addictive behaviours by 90%. And, um, I, and, and it sounds like a ridiculously lofty goal, but I've, I've said this in a few talks recently that we're actually hitting sort of four generations at once. You know, so we target directly our influence impact is on the young girls, but it has a direct re- effect on the relationship with mum. And then mum learns these habits alongside her daughter that impact mum's relationships with her friends, but also her parents. And then we're also going to have an impact on the next generation. And um, so the idea is to sort of create this movement of sort of understanding and and curiosity and and curiosity understanding and values uh as a sort of a principle and practice rather than just this abstract idea so it's not just a matter of patting yourself on the back and saying how virtuous you are for being asking a few questions but actually sitting with your kid and honoring their answer and when and i think we we know it when we sit with somebody and we give them and ask them a question most of us presume to know the answer ahead of time. And there's something spectacular about when you ask someone a question and are completely open to their answer and accepting their answer as, as the way it is. And, and that's how you build trust. And whether that's in the medical paradigm or the parenting paradigm or the academic paradigm or just within, with friends, it's, um, it's, it's powerful stuff. It really is. Like it really is super powerful. And I am getting goosebumps over here hearing you talk about it because it's so important. I mean, having mothers understand their daughters is so important. Um, you know, girls are statistically and scientifically more emotional than, than boys are. And they need that emotional uh, connection to their mothers. They just need that. And it's, uh, it's so cool to me, the, the statistics, how they kind of flip flopped where it was, the girls did not feel like anyone understood them at the beginning. And then at the end, they, uh, a lot of them, I think you said 80% or more felt like their moms understood them the best. So I think that that it proves that this, that this 10 week program is extremely successful and that I'm just, I'm really looking forward to the future of, what it what it does for our society. I think that it's going to be a tremendous, a tremendous help to society if we can get more girls having good relationships with their with their mothers. And I think it will really help with the uh, the ego self-esteem issue that we were talking about earlier, where if, you know, these girls feel like they have, uh, they have someone who understands them. They feel like they understand themselves. They trust that inner voice. They trust their passions. They go after it. They're confident because they feel understood and because they've worked through some of these things. Then I just, I'm so excited to see, I'm so excited to see the true female empowerment that comes from that. Y'all are doing so much more than the whole entirety of the modern feminist movement. And, um, you know, if I ever have future daughters, I will definitely be sending them and myself to the Earhart Club's uh, 10-week program because I just think this is super cool. And I am y'all's number one fan. I just really, really love the the encouragement from the Earhart Club of um, both individuality and community because we need both you need a strong sense of self and you also need to be in your community contributing to your community caring about your community and building that like I think you just need both and if nothing else good has come from the COVID shutdowns these past few years I think that it is actually good that it showed us that we do need community it's shown us how much we need community we are not these robots like I personally believe the government thinks we are where they just think well they don't have any human need for connection they'll be fine in their homes no we need human connection we need empathy we need compassion we need humility we need each other and we need the authentic versions of each other. And I just love that the Earhart Club is, you know, starting girls from a very young age, teaching them how to be their authentic selves. I'm obsessed with it. Angus, 
thank you so much for coming on Uncommon Sense. This has been a lovely conversation. I want to have you back on the podcast anytime. Can you let everybody know where they can find the Earheart Club and learn more information about this lovely, extremely needed organization? Yeah, absolutely. But to, but to your point about the community and, and the individual rising together, that's right on in the sense that, you know, strong individuals make for a healthier community and a healthier community makes for stronger individuals. So so they both rise together. And um, so we, um, so our website is theairheartclub.org. And so Earheart, like Amelia Earhart, E-A-R-H-A-R-T, club.org. And um, we're on social media, on Facebook and um, Instagram and Twitter even. We've got a very small following on Twitter. And um, and it, my email is either angus at theairheartclub.org or info at theairheartclub.org. And um, feel free to reach out. Um, anyway, we're, we've got a – our program is – very pick-upable pick in the sense that we've um, we've got some relationships now with sororities around the place that can sort of provide volunteers as part of their community service uh, um, requirement. So we're a we're and I think we'll be able to once the word gets out, be able to sort of land in different places and and land constructively and, and effectively. And it's um, we've got a lot of school districts expressing interest, and um, and we're also in the in the next little while. Stay tuned. There'll be some. Um, some individual programs that'll be sort of little activity group things for for individual mums and their daughters to do or little small family groups or groups of family friends and whatnot. That sounds amazing. I, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a wonderful discussion. I hope that you guys all, you know, really learned something from this episode. I think a lot of my listeners did, if not every single one of them. Again, I encourage you guys to check out the Earheart Club and uh, really think about getting involved with that if you have daughters and, you know, just process through what we've been talking about. Just think deep and hard about like what we've been discussing and how important it is to truly understand each other and to understand people who aren't like you and to really be unafraid of diving into the unknown if people are different from you. I mean, I think it's just very, very, it's all, it's all very important information, empathy, humility, compassion. These are not weak things. These are wonderfully strong things. And we can all, um, including me, uh, add more of those into our lives. Angus, thank you so much again for coming on the show. You have been just a wonderful guest, and I would love to have you come back on again another time. I wish you nothing but the best with the Earheart Club and everything else. You're just you're just awesome. Thank you so much again. Yeah, you're welcome, Jenny. Thank you. I've loved what you have to say over on a variety of topics, so thank you so much for um, giving me the opportunity to share our message. Of course, anytime. Anytime. <laughs>